Wisdom Podcast. My name is Holly Weaver, and I'm the owner and operator of Rosebud Wellness, where I practice women's holistic health, utilizing acupuncture, Chinese herbalism, yoni steaming, and Arvigo abdominal massage. And I'm also a new mama. This podcast will be part information on women's holistic health practices that I use in my practice, and part conversations with women who are mothers or hope to be mothers on their journey through menstruation, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and motherhood. Please enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you in part by the Rosebud Wellness Shop. You can find us over at rosebudwellness.com shop. On the shop, you'll find six different Yoni Steam herb blends for a variety of different conditions. You can read specifically about all of the ingredients that are in the herbal blends, what you would use them for, and some specifics about the days of your cycle that you would use the herbs. There's also a video for an at-home steaming guide so that you can feel confident that you know what you're doing before you embark on this journey. But if you also don't feel so comfortable just starting on your own, you can also sign up for a consult with me, which is also available at the shop. So go ahead and check out rosebudwellness.com shop. Hello, everyone. I am very excited to bring another episode to you today. In this episode, I interview Missy Campbell, and she has a marketing business called Taste of Simple, and she works primarily with more spiritually minded, um, holistic health type healer people, uh, individuals and businesses. But mostly we focus in this episode on her personal story. She has had four unassisted home births. They were assisted only by her, her partner, her husband. Um, she has two daughters, two sons, um, varying ages. They're a little bit older. The oldest is 18 and the youngest is 11. So she just has um, an interesting perspective on that sort of time frame. And she also homeschooled all of her children. So I was personally very, very interested to talk with her a little bit more about that. Just has a really lovely, beautiful perspective on motherhood. Um, really love chatting with her. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode with Missy. And also I wanted to mention, as I always do, if you would like to per- purchase some Yoni Steam herbs, please do so over at rosebudwellness.com shop and use the coupon code WOMB, W-O-M-B, to receive 10% off your first order. And also please join us on Facebook over at the WOMB Wisdom Community on Facebook. There will eventually be a lot more conversation in there. For right now, I'm just posting all of the episodes that I have for the podcast, so it's a good way to stay in touch and up to date on all of the episodes as they're published. All right, without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Missy. Um. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Womb Wisdom Podcast. I am here today with Missy Campbell. And she works in marketing. She has her own marketing business and she works primarily with healers and more spiritually minded um, people these days. And she has a really, really cool, interesting story to share with us today. And she is a a mama to to four babies um, who are older now, um, but they're still your babies, I'm sure. I call them babies every day. I'm like, where are my babies? 
Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So um, to start off, we'll just kind of talk about their ages. So we kind of have like a, an idea of, of where we're coming from, uh, like sort of timeline. Um, so the oldest is, is 18 and just left for college. There's a 16 year old. And then how old are the other two? The two boys are 13 and 11. Okay. Yeah. So they're 18 and 16. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all really close in age. Yes. Nice. Um, okay. So we'll start off from the beginning, from your beginning of when you first got your period. So oh if you can talk about how old you were, what it was like for you, if they're like kind of what the conversation with your family or at school or anything like that, um, if there was any pain or difficulties, irregularities, or if it was pretty straightforward for you. I love this question. It was, it's always been really straightforward. I always say you could create a calendar based on my cycle. That's been pretty true. And since I've had kids, it's been even more so very, very consistent. Like I know exactly what to expect. I think my body just hormonally has become really regulated, but yeah, when I first got it, I come from a like really open family. So I could talk to my mom about anything I'd tell her anything. There was no judgment. And so I definitely had that culture around it and that openness. So, you know, no shame or anything like that, which is amazing. And that's how I also approached it with my girls. It's something we've always talked about. And my boys know, you know, they, they know exactly what's going on when we're all having our periods. So it's been like very, very open. And I love approaching that goes for everything with children. I think it's just being open and honest and answering questions in a real way. I've always treated them like peers um, and communicating with them in that way. When my youngest brother was born when I was 15 and I was, in, I was at school and I got a phone call in my chemistry class and my teacher said, your mom wants you to come home. And so she wanted me to come home. She was having home birth and with my youngest sibling um so and I was 15 years old so I was so excited about it and I really wanted to be there um so I was so excited that she called and I walked home and was there while she had my brother in our living room um so that is sort of you know definitely a lot of openness and experience that maybe other people don't have at a young age and so I would say I've been very just relaxed about all of those processes um which has been amazing because I think culturally that's probably not the norm. Um, so yeah, that's how I, that's really where, sort of where I come from, you know, in a very open um, communicative space with it and have been carrying that through with my kids all this time. That's great. That's like the ideal for me. That's such a beautiful experience that you had. Were yeah. you a home birth too when she gave birth to you? I was not, but it's a funny story. Um, and my mom says, and we were talking before we came on about how, how children are born kind of, it's really indicative of how they will move through the world. And my mom says, you just came flying out and you haven't stopped ever since. <laughs> wow. I had, to, I came out similarly, <laughs> came flying out. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a, in my town, I grew up in a tiny town of about a thousand people in upstate New York. And we had a doctor in her house, like that's where you would go. So it was just an was old woman. She was so beautiful and she had this old Victorian house and you would walk in her entryway and you would go into this little parlor and that's where you would meet with her. But she was the woman who delivered me. Um, and so she was always telling my mom, 
do not wait until the last minute because my mom's like me. She's like, just like kind of a do, 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 go, go, go. And so I said, do not wait until the last minute. And so my mom, my head was out by the time she got there. Wow. <laughs> the Dr. Crockless came running in. She's like, I told you not to wait. <laughs> anyway, I was born in the open air. <laughs> and until the doctor came running in and delivered the rest of my body. <laughs> wow. She kind of did it on her own though. She did. And yeah. um, she's had a couple, she'd have one unassisted birth. Um, and also, um, one of my sisters was also ac sort of accidentally born at home. So mm -hmm. it was before the planned home birth, but, um, yeah, she was also just, you know, my mom was waiting until the last minute. Cause she's like very relaxed and knows it's natural and isn't in a big rush. And she's, you know, she'll go and be checked at the end, but that's sort of how she approached it. So one of my sisters was born at home. And I remember I was probably maybe in about fifth grade at the time and my mom was sitting on the toilet like having labor pains and she's like can you help me put my shoes on and so I was like putting her shoes on and tying her and she literally was giving birth like I didn't know that <laughs> she told me afterwards she's like I had her like two seconds after you walked out the door to go to school wow she really <laughs> trusted her body yeah so that's you know it's really interesting to have had that experience because I would say that is not probably most people have never had really like personal contact with birth, you know, at a young age. And so I love that more people are having their younger kids at home births and all of that. I, all of my kids were at home. A lot of the kids were born in the evening. And so they, all the kids were sleeping. Um, but we never like sent them away really, you know, to like be away until we did send them over to the neighbor's house briefly for like an hour, just like at a prime moment. And then they just came right back. Um, but yeah, I love that kid, more kids, I feel like are intentionally getting that experience. And my sister also has had several home births. She has five children and she's had several unassisted home births and they were encouraged by us too. <laughs> yeah. So Yes. That is, yeah, that's so great. I mean, because the only experience that I had of birth before I started looking into doing home birth myself was just kind of media, you know, and that's never portrayed in a positive light. I had, I had watched some movies. Um, there was some documentary, I can't even remember the name of it. Um, but there, there were a couple documentaries out at the time that I, that I watched and then looking at Ina May's uh, work, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, too, was like, I had to intentionally expose myself to that kind of media. You know, the, the mainstream stuff is always like panting and screaming at the husband. There's not really like this natural physiological process and sitting on the toilet for sure is often a part of it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, so one of the things I wanted to talk about, which we talked about a little bit before we started recording was the glad rags. Um, because I have a, a funny little story that my sister told me yesterday that my six-year-old niece um, asked her yesterday what a tampon was for, because she has tampons at her house. And my sister explained to her what it is. They do have like a pretty open dialogue about periods and uh, menstrual products and things like that. And, and she was like, no way am I ever sticking that up. My, she called it a vagina. She, she, does, she didn't quite get the pronunciation, but she, she understood that that's where you would put it. And, and 
decided that she didn't want to do that. And I can relate. I, I feel similarly about tampons. Um, and I was talking to my sister about reusable pads and also like the period underwear. I don't know if you've had experience with using those, but but I know of them, but there is something to me that feels so, I don't really know the exact word. I was going to say like, it feels good to just let the blood flow out of you as it naturally is meant to rather than like stopping it up with something like even like a diva cup I feel that way with that it's kind of just like holding something there which is meant to be like kind of flowing out um so I just wanted to for you to talk about your your glad rags and your relationship with with them and how you also um you know sort of brought them to your daughters too um for their own menstrual products. Yeah, I when I was 18, I in college, I was like becoming, you know, very conscious of things. And that's when I started to get more into like, learning about home birth and all of that stuff after experiencing the home birth with my younger brother. Um, and I just was like, you know, what are the other options There must be other options. And so I learned about cloth pads. And I back then glad rags were really one of the only companies um, and so I bought, I ordered some and had them sent to me in college. And, and like I was saying, before we started recording, I have the exact same ones that I bought back then. I have like bought, they have like a couple of new designs for like different sorts of things that I decided to go ahead and get a couple of that. I was going to be really excited to use mm -hmm. <laughs> at certain times during your cycle where you just need something really thin. And so once those came out, I ordered a couple, like maybe three or four additional ones, but I have the original 12 that I ordered when I was 18. And I, those are the ones that I still use every month. Um, and then my daughter, so they're 18 and 16 and I bought them. Um, they have like these thinner, they have just so many more options now. Um, they had more thinner, narrower ones, you know, for smaller bodies. And so I, when they were 12, I just each bought them a set. And then that was the first thing. And they knew my daughter just said one day, can you get me them just in case? Cause that's all she knew for pads like that's all because that's all I ever used and so she said can you get me some just in case and then we got them and when she was 14 she had her period and she you know we'd already been talking about it for years and she had her pads and she actually wasn't at home when it happened <laughs> but she knew what to do she knew what it was um and so they've just and that's what they continue to use both of the girls and we each have our own like color schemes so we know who's or who's <laughs> Oh, that's so I'm all solid and one has all polka dots and one other pattern and then one has all florals so that when we do the laundry, we can sort them all out quickly. That's so great. And so did any of you ever have any like period pain or any symptoms associated with either like before you get your period or during your period? Not any, I mean, I know some people have such bad cramps and, you know, or their period just lasts for so long, like a solid week. I definitely early on in my period, I had cramps, which I would say like, you know, like painful, you know, you just kind of want to lie around and not do anything and have a heating pad on your uterus all day long and on your lower back. I definitely had that um, as a teenager. And then even like all down my legs, you know, down to my knees, you get those like cramps in your mm -hmm. I had that too. Um, my daughters are just like, you know, they're just like, eh, I just don't feel that good. Some days they're a little crampy. Like I would say it's probably pretty normal what they experience. Mm -hmm. um, I do have a sister who's had like a lot of issues with her period and infertility issues and all of that stuff. Um, so I know there's like a whole spectrum of what people experience 
Um, so yeah, other than like pain, that's very uncomfortable, you know, like you just don't really want to do anything. And I'm, I have like a very high tolerance for pain. So it must've been pretty bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then now I would say now that I've had babies, um, it's definitely a lot less. Um, and it lasts a lot. Like it's mine's like 48 hours and it's over. And really, um, and I, I remember reading about this when I was in my twenties, um, about like some people could, they would only come out when they would sit on the toilet. So they wouldn't use any sorts of pads. I would say mine is almost like that at this point, I still wear a pad, but it's really when I sit down on the toilet, that's when the blood flows the most. And other than that, it's just like, just to keep things clean. Mm -hmm. um, so it's definitely been a lot lighter. And I think it's probably hormonal um, changes over time, but since having babies and for years, I, I didn't have my period from like 2001. So my daughter was born in 2002. Yeah, 2001. The first time I had it was uh, let's see, my, there's like, it was like five or six years later. Um, and I had it one time between my next daughter and son. And then, um, and then I didn't have it again until I had like two babies where I'd never had it. <laughs> and that's because they were born, they were, were conceived so close together and you were still nursing. Right. Yeah. I, the breastfeeding piece and my mom had the same thing. So I just, I love like feminine genetics, you know, kind of what you can expect your body to do based mm -hmm. on like, it's good to ask, you know, if people have breastfed or anything, like when will your period come back? It's a pretty good indicator. If you ask your mom or your aunts or your grandma, like if they breastfed, um, it'll probably be a pretty good indicator. So I didn't get my period until 18 months with all of them. And some of them, I got pregnant at the 19th month. And so I didn't, I didn't have my period at all. Um, so I ovulated and then just, and got pregnant right away again. Um, so yeah. And then I did have two miscarriages between the two girls and the two boys. Um, and so I had a couple of periods in between there, just a very, very, very few, cause I was pregnant and then I had the miscarriage. I might've had one couple of periods for maybe two months and then got pregnant again, had a miscarriage, maybe had one period. And then, so yeah. Um, so yeah. why don't we, uh, since you, since we're kind of going there anyways, um, why don't we start with, with fertility now and pregnancies, um, when you conceived your first daughter, were you trying to get pregnant? I or was like kind of open to it. Yeah, I was open to it. I actually got pregnant the first time I ovulated after we got married the very first time. Um, and it wasn't really like, oh yeah, we're, we're going to have a baby right away. Um, but I was so excited and it felt like the most perfect thing in the whole world. Um, so yeah, I was very, and I was young compared to most people. Uh, I was 23 when she was born um, and 22 when she was conceived. So, so yeah, I'm, I was very excited and I, and like we had talked about, I had been studying, um, I had gone through doula training before then in my college years, I had done midwife assistant training with Ina May Gaskin at the farm uh, two different times. I think it was like in 98 and 99. I went there for a week and did that, the full assistant training. Um, and then I did doula training uh, the following year um, through Dona. 
And then in 2020, and then in 2001, I was a midwife assistant with Amish. And so I had all that experience kind of going, you know, before, and then I was just like, of course I wanted to have babies. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I didn't, when we were first talking, I didn't realize that all of that was before you had your first baby even. During my college. Yeah. It was during my college years. All of that stuff was during my college years. So I was like, I think watching my brother be home, be born at home was what sort of, and I'm sure it was already in me, but I was very much like, I couldn't get enough of it. And, and I was telling you before, um, before we recorded that my dad had been to the farm in the early eighties, uh, when I was just a baby and, um, he got the spiritual midwifery book by Ina May and he gave that to me. Why was he there? What was he doing he there? Was just a bit, he still would fit in just fine there, I would say. Um, he just, he hitchhiked his whole way there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just was interested in the lifestyle and wanted to learn more. And so he went and we, we were in New York. So it was really far to Tennessee. And then when I got the book, I couldn't get enough of it. I read the whole thing right away. I was probably maybe 17 when he gave it to me. And then from there, just like, I'm like, I'm going, I, I like looked it up and saw that she did the assistant training. I'm like, well, I can go for a week and learn a lot of stuff. And I was really excited. Um, so yeah, that's sort of how the cascade of events. And then very shortly after, um, when I got married, I just, I was into Montessori and all of that. And so then of course I'm like, well, I just need a baby. Like <laughs> I had to practice all this stuff. Yeah. And so she, so actually I wanted to talk about, um, just so we have the full story that you never had, um, any, uh, experience with birth control because your birth control, well, hormonal birth control, I should say, um, because your birth control method was using fertility awareness. And then did you just abstain during your fertile window when you were not trying to get pregnant? Yep. And that's what we still do. So that's all my husband I've ever used and we'll be married 20 years in January. And that's all we've ever done. Um, I actually learned about fertility awareness when my husband was in college, we went to his college bookstore and they had the fertility awareness method book in his college bookstore. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get that. I was probably like 19 years old. I was so, I was so wanted to get it. And so I bought it and I read the whole thing and I was so excited. And then when I was in college, I did like a sort of a self-study independent kind of major where you kind of make your own thing. And I had some amazing biology um, professors who were very open to me kind of making my own program around this. And so they let me like I tracked my cycle as part of my degree in college. And I, and that was when I really started to understand it. And so I had my charts from the whole semester and then like presented them to my biology professors for part of my credit for my class. And um, so I was very much into it. So even before we got married, um, I really understood my cycle and really it was just for my own knowing. I think it's great for everyone. It's something, you know, I, taught my girls about, you know, what it means when you have your period and then all of the pieces of the cycle that happen that you can't necessarily see so outwardly um, and how that works and what's happening in your body. So I loved knowing that about my body. I always felt like really comfortable in my body, I think because of that and just knowing what's going on inside and what it all means. Um, So, yeah. So do you do temperature and uh, cervical mucus? I don't, I actually, because mine is so regular, I only do timing. And did you teach your, 
like, how did you teach your daughters? Are they pretty regular like you are and, and they can do the same kind of thing? Yeah, they're yeah. very regular. And it's taken a couple of years for them to get where they had it every month. Like sometimes you, they would have it for a month and then they would skip a month. And so it took a couple of years. Um, but yeah, I just do timing with mine because it's so regular. It really is like my cycle's always between 25 and 29 days. Mm-hmm. So it, as soon as I have my period, I know like I can... I can just put a little window on either side for both of those circumstances. It's never been anything other than that. So yeah. I'm not concerned that it would be, but I also know when I ovulate, um, you know, it's very, I know like once I have my period, I have like a four day safety, safety, three day safety window. And then I just abstain until after I ovulate. And it's very obvious to me when I ovulate. So, and then I just wait a day or two and then I'm good to go. So, yeah. And I was saying to you, my husband knows my cycle and he knows how to calculate everything. So he kind of, just so he kind of knows in his mind where everything is and um, which is great. It's, I think it's freedom for everybody. And totally. I love it. both respect the cycle and just, we just abstain during that time. And we're both perfectly happy with that. Um, I know some people aren't, that's not what they want to do, but I just love like sort of accepting that that's the cycle of life. And, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great when a, a partner is willing to learn. Um, I think a lot of men like women were kind of taught like that you can get pregnant every single day. So it takes a little bit of time for them to understand that that's not actually how it works. But yeah, if they're willing to learn, that's really cool that your your husband's so on board with it. Yes, it is. And it's not anything from his upbringing. So it's all <laughs> things he's been open to learning Um, it's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we were talking about your first pregnancy. So you, you conceived and tell us about how that pregnancy went. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And it was the first one. And I was so in, I felt so intuitive. I did not feel that with the other ones. (laughs) And I think it's because you just like more distractions. I felt so intuitive. I actually have a letter I posted it on Instagram a couple of years ago, a letter that I wrote to my daughter in the womb. So we never had any ultrasounds or anything, but I called her Aurelia from the very beginning. Mm. And I didn't know whether she was a boy or girl. I always called her Aurelia and I wrote her this letter. And like, every time I think about it and read, it makes me cry. But um, yeah, I had posted it like when she turned 16, I posted it on Instagram. Um, But I wrote it while she, while I was pregnant with her. And I just like knew and talked to her all the time. And and then there she was. And the pregnancy was like, I think the whole experience was along those lines of enjoyable. I didn't have any issues at all. You know, I think as I got older and as I had more pregnancies, there were, you know, more things to kind of be cautious around and, you know, really notice my energy more, but I was really young and um, in, you know, very good health. So it was pretty effortless during the pregnancy, you know, other than the usual, like not being able to roll over and being hot in the summer (laughs) in Texas she was born in Texas um and so that was good and then the birth itself so all of the kids were unassisted um born at home so we did see a midwife for documentation of pregnancy so I just you know contacted my friends who had had home births and had them recommend a midwife and then just chose one went and got documentation that I was pregnant I just heard stories about how you just want to do that so I did that and I didn't have them do anything else they're like yep you're pregnant you look healthy, sign it that you're pregnant. Okay, great. And then we also did anybody, whether, I mean, probably not from your family because they 
seem like they have a similar perspective, but like your partner or any outside people were, was, were you getting any pushback of like, oh my God, no, you have to have ultrasounds and you have to have care. And this yeah. is like big health issue or yes. yeah. Well, there was definitely some of that. Um, I am a, like a very strong-willed kind of person. So things like that don't usually bother me. My parents were extremely supportive. So like zero judgment, no, like, making me feel afraid or shameful or anything. And it was funny because my dad actually told someone at work when they found out, like, I don't know, a friend of a friend of a friend. And we weren't really telling people what we were doing because it's not really the best thing to do until after the fact. Mm -hmm. um, but he told someone he worked with, he's like, well, that's what 99.9% .9 of humans have done throughout history. And I was like, thank you, dad. Mm. <laughs> so there, that definitely like my grandma, she still like, will bring it up sometimes. <laughs> It's being like, I can't believe you. But now that everything's fine, she's better about it. And then my mother-in-law too. And actually there were some celebrity births that had totally gone awry around that time and like helicoptering off for oxygen. And she's like, of course, sending me everything. And I was just ignoring everything and not letting it into my world. And I felt really confident having been through the training that I'd been through. And my husband and I found an amazing book. And it literally is like, kind of like a handmade book that's written for delivering babies in third world countries or like in an emergency, it's called emergency childbirth. And I got that on a recommendation of a midwife. And it is like, there are only three things to look for. And if you see any of those three things, you have an emergency and you need to go get help. If anything else, you're fine. And you know, as long as you're within this time frame and you don't see any of these things, you're fine, just keep going. And so he actually felt really confident after reading that book that, you know, unless he sees um, you know, a foot or a hand, everything should be fine. And um, so he, yeah, I'm surprised because he has no background at all. And he's actually like a very spreadsheet organized kind of guy. So I couldn't believe he was so on board um, with supporting the whole process. But he was like, okay, like he just trusted me in knowing that that was the best decision to make, which is amazing because there've been other decisions I made in life. And he's like, are you sure? But that was one where he was like, okay, of course, you know, that's, that's what you want to do. Um, so yeah, the pregnancy was pretty seamless. And then the birth um, to, you know, the labor lasted quite a while. My water broke about 24 hours before she was born. Um, so I just, you know, just long cr sort of chronic you know, um, contractions for a long time. And I, my husband was at work the whole day and I didn't tell him my water broke at 5 a.m. I heard the garage close as my water broke and I didn't call him all day. <laughs> and he's like, he came home and I'm like, yeah, it broke at 5 a.m. Like literally you were driving out of the driveway. Um, and he came home and I still was just having contractions. Um, but they were pretty heavy at that. Like I was talking to my mom and like breathing and leaning against the wall, like talking to her on the phone. Um, and then she was born the following evening at like 2 a.m. So it was like almost a full 24 hours from the time my water broke. So that was the first experience. And then I would say with each of the babies, um, the the births got short, the the part, the labor part got shorter and shorter. And with the fourth, um, it's a funny story. My husband came home from work early. It was a Friday because they had some event after work that he was planning to go to. And he came home early and I was like, you can't go. And I was like, I already was starting to feel that I was having contractions and it was about 4 p.m. And so he had to go and like quick drop offs and stuff for this event and then come right back home. And as soon as he got home, 
I saw my neighbor outside bringing her trash can. I was like, can, is it okay if the kids come over for a little while? <laughs> we hadn't had anything planned. And um, so they just walked across the street over to the neighbor's house. And my husband and I turned and walked up the stairs and I wasn't sure I was going to get all the way up the stairs. Like that's how quick it was like within an hour of like, yeah, it's happening. Like he was born. Wow. <laughs> I got like halfway up the stairs and I thought, I don't know if I, cause it was like two flights. I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to make it up the second one. And so I finally like pulled myself up and I got on the bed on all fours, which was how I delivered all of them. I'd stack up pillows under my chest and kind of be in the all four position, but like completely relax on pillows. And my husband went in the bathroom to wash his hands and he came out and he said the head was already out. <laughs> wow. And so they definitely, the, the labors did get shorter and shorter each time. Yeah. And the, all the pregnancies were pretty uneventful. Um, other than the last one, like I was, I was, you know, it was the fourth pregnancy, which, so your body's been through a lot. And I definitely had like some more like bulging veins and stuff, which thankfully have all gone away. And I never had them with any of the other ones. I was just like, is this going to be forever? You know? And, and I felt like when I would squat down, I was like, am I going to turn inside out? You know, like I definitely could feel that my pelvis was a different pelvis than it had been seven years before that. Um, so yeah, pretty uneventful in the same, my mom, um, I actually have nine siblings. And so um, my mom was the same. She was always like really relaxed and really healthy pregnancies, never had any issues. So I do think some of that is definitely genetic mm -hmm. um, in what people experience. So it's good to know and ask the women around you and your family, you know, what, what was there? Cause it's not something everyone talks about, you know, like in my family, it's like casual conversation <laughs> with at least my mom and some of my sisters, you know, the extended family would be like, oh my gosh, what are you guys talking about? But it's good to just ask if people are willing to share, you know, what was your pregnancy like and all of that? Cause you, it'll help, you know, like, when did you go through menopause? Like, that's something I'm thinking about. I'm in my forties. I'm like, I can remember my grandma having her period when I was little and she would have been in her fifties. So I'm like, I'm probably got another 10 years. <laughs> yeah. And it was your mom similar. Yeah. My mom was yeah. also, um, also, yeah, she had my youngest sibling when she was in her early forties. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, very fertile. <laughs> yeah. Nine siblings. So there's 10 children. Yep. And I'm the oldest female. And so that I kind of have the, like, the, I'm kind of the mother of everybody. That's just the energy that, you know, people always call me and check in and, um, all of that, but yeah, so that is, you know, it's been a very, uh, thankfully open, at least in enough part of the family to make it feel perfect for me and spacious. And like, I can, you know, get the information I need and be open with the people I need to be. Um, and I will say, you know, like all of this, I think, you know, the, the breastfeeding piece too. So I did, like we were saying, I didn't get my period very many times. Like I would say in the time from the first pregnancy to those, the fourth birth, I probably had my period at most five times, you know, in that it was an eight year span. Um, and that was, and I was breastfeeding. Um, I never breastfed two babies at once. That was something I just, I couldn't breastfeed through the pregnancy. It was so painful for me. And I know some people are different, but a few, like at least three or four months in five months in, like, I was like, I just have to, I, I couldn't even like, it would just make me twitch. It was so uncomfortable. I never had any issues. Like um, it, did it hurt your nipples or yeah. I mean, that was my, 
my first pregnancy symptom was my boobs and my nipples being very painful. I couldn't even like lie on my side comfortably. Like don't touch them. Yeah, like get away. (laughs) And so I can't even imagine, um, especially now that I'm, I'm nursing a 17 month old, they're like jumping all over the place and like going from side to side. And I'm sure you're your first child, yeah, would have been like about this age or a little bit older. And so, yeah, that just, I don't blame you. <laughs> no, I just couldn't do it. And I know some people do it. I think it's amazing. I mean, yeah. open to like breastfeeding until they're six, if you want to, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just could, it was so painful for me. Um, so I stopped between, but um, with all of the kids, the oldest, the longest one of them breastfed was three years and two months. And one was two years and 10 months. And the other two were right around two, just because of another pregnancy. They were the, the first one in each of the pairs. They both breastfed about two years. And then the other ones were like closer to three on the second side. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was about, I actually figured it out one time that I was figuring out like how much milk I made. <laughs> my husband's like, oh my gosh, you're a cow. It was, it was like 600 gallons. Wow. 2,400 quarts. I was like, wow, that's so much milk. And so it was 10, it would have been 10 full years of breastfeeding. So 120 months with all four of them, which sometimes I see people post and I'm like, I have breastfed 33 months. I'm like, I've breastfed one child for longer than 30. And they have like three kids. I'm like, I'm not going to say anything there and think I'm crazy. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I'm interested. Did you like breast, your breastfeeding journey? Were there any challenges to it? Not really in the same, like my mom, one of my sisters breastfed until she was over three. And I clearly remember thinking, mom, are you ever going to stop breastfeeding her? She's talking about it to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, so no, I never had any issues, um, with it at all. What about other people thinking that about some of your kids? Like there's definitely things that I've seen. Nobody's ever said anything to me, but I've had a child like mostly only during COVID. So it's not like I'm out in public as much as like probably you were when your children were younger. Um, Did you ever get any people that said things to you or did you ever feel kind of like, is this the right thing to do? Or did you feel pretty grounded? And like, I definitely knew that that's what I was going to do as long as everything worked fine. Um, Mm -hmm. that's what I was going to do. Um, you know, it's just like the kind of people you have to kind of remove from your life temporarily is might be the right thing to do. Like if you have certain aunts and stuff who are very judgmental, then I'm just not going to see them for a couple of years or, you know, just like very limited amounts. Um, so that's, you know, I just really kept my circle really small and felt supportive. And, you know, my, my in-laws, they were over at the house all the time at where my breasts were always hanging out. Mm-hmm. Like, were just used to it and it was like they would just talk to me as if I my shirt's not off and you know so that was good to like at least the immediate people in my life um were supportive and to me that's the most important thing like like I said even if you have to be like you know certain people I'm just not gonna spend time around for the next six months while I you know have to be breastfeeding every minute of every day and then once that time has passed and it's a little more spread out, then you could reconnect with people. But I found that to be really helpful. Just keeping I, us. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember what, what year it was exactly, but it was not very long ago that breastfeeding in public became legal. And I just can't, I didn't know that it was illegal. I've been doing it for I mean, a decade. 
that is absurd that it would be illegal. I, I just, I don't know. It just changed my perspective on like, do people care about that? It just seems very weird. I mean, because yeah, like if I see somebody with their boobs hanging out for whatever reason, I don't feel offended. And especially not if they're feeding their child, but I'm so relaxed about bodies and that's how I grew up. And thankfully, like everyone in my family, I mean, my mother-in-law, if I'm in the bathtub and she's leaving, she would come in and be like, bye, I'm leaving. You know, like you're just, it's just not a big deal. Yeah. That's Um, cool. But I know some people don't have that experience. So I would say just keep yourself really safe emotionally, um, you know, with the people that you're interacting with. And, you know, the funny thing we were, we were talking about, like, um, you know, talking when children are old enough to talk about breastfeeding and they're breastfeeding. Um, my oldest son, he was riding a bike without training wheels and he was still breastfeeding. And I'm like, okay, that might be, <laughs> you're riding a bike around the neighborhood without training wheels. And I'm like, Hey mom, I need some milk, you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I just let him go until he was, yeah. until he was done. But I, that's like my funniest story. Cause most kids are like six when they learn to ride their bike without training. He was actually almost three. He was still two, but I'm like, that's a little, <laughs> He just learned how to do that early. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, some of the other things like, you know, with the kids growing up and all of that and all of the openness, that was just such an important theme through everything for me and for my husband too. And he had never really been around kids before. He's the youngest and just never had a big extended family like I did. And I was always around babies and holding babies, you know, my whole life. Um, But he was really open to it. And we actually did the elimination communication. So all of the kids were completely out of diapers by the age of two, even at night. Um, like we just immediately, you know, as soon as they were, um, you know, even, even when they were babies, we, when they would wake up, we would take them, take their diaper off, hold them over. And they would always go when they would wake up. So it was like, save us a diaper. And we used cloth diapers too. But um, I just liked having them being able to recognize and, you know, get used to that motion. And then we just had little potties and they, they were, you know, by the time they were walking, they would just, we just put like a long t-shirt, like just covered their butt. And then that's what they would wear all day and just go when they needed to. And um, it worked, it worked pretty well. We had one with a small bladder, that's what we called it, and just couldn't hold it all night. So we'd have to get up like three times a night and take him to the bathroom. Um, but it was, it worked pretty well. Um, and I, I just liked it, even if you didn't want to go all in with it, I liked it as kind of a supplemental. I wasn't like hard on myself about, oh yeah, they have to go all the time in there. Um, but I liked that they were learning and they had a ton of time. They had like, you know, they got to start really young. And so they had like extra two years of time where they got to get used to doing that. Um, and yeah, by two, they were all, you know, very independent and other than being needing to be wiped. That is so cool. I, I remember while I was pregnant and and I was pretty early in my pregnancy learning about elimination communication. So for anybody that doesn't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but basically you're looking at your child's cues and identify. And like you said, you also start to learn their patterns. Like when they first wake up, they're going to go pee or, Mm -hmm. um, I know like my daughter, oh, it tends to go has a bowel movement in the morning. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, you would kind of learn and I can kind of tell like when she goes off into the corner, like she's maybe going to do something. Um, so basically instead of just like letting them do that in their diaper, then you take them over to the toilet and, and teach them that that's where you do that. Um, yeah. and I, I remember saying it to somebody and I, unlike you and can, can be like kind of 
influenced by other people's opinions and feel like, oh, I guess I'm stupid to think that or whatever. Um, But I thought it was really interesting idea, but it's cool what you said um, that you didn't, you don't have to be so like crazy and controlling about it. Like looking at their every move of like, they just move their eyebrow. Does that mean they need to pee? Like, it's just kind of like doing it when it works for you and then being flexible. Like, oh, if we have an accident or whatever, it's like not the end of the world. Um, I was really relaxed about it. And, you know, with the babies, like we would just put like a washable blanket on a, you know, a sheepskin or something in that way. I could just like leave them diaperless so they could kind of get used to like what it feels like to not be wet and be wet. And, you know, cause a lot of kids are used to feeling wet all the time. So to mm-hmm. them, that feels normal. Um, so just really, you know, getting them used to knowing like that, you, that doesn't feel very good Yeah, <laughs> to be like that. So yeah, I was super relaxed about it and just allowed it to be. And, you know, obviously if you have carpeting, it's a little bit of a different story. You have to have, like, I always had like back out and stuff like bottles all over the house with white with like cloth wipes and I would just like spray it immediately you know and just wipe it up and not worry too much about my carpet get my carpet steamed every couple of months and you know and sometimes we had wood floors and stuff so it wasn't as big of a deal but that's a concern too so how do you do it without like having them pee on your couch and yeah (laughs) right so yeah just being relaxed and what you feel comfortable with if it's when during, you could do it like all summer long and just like, you know, be outside a lot and, you know, things like that, um, a way that you feel comfortable exploring it, but yeah, nothing to be stressed out about. Yeah. <laughs> I might, I mean, you're inspiring me. I might do a little bit with my daughter. Yeah. And just like, and to me, it's just like, you know, at times where, you know, they're going to go, you can just sort of aid them in getting used to sitting on the potty and walking to the potty. And mm-hmm. that's like a huge, they're going to be like so far ahead and just like having practiced that for months. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that actually brings me to what I wanted to talk about next is um, you kind of mentioned just in passing Montessori, uh-huh. um, which I'm very interested in also, which I know is kind of, a big part of that is, is cultivating independence for, for pretty young children. And I, I think, I know for, for me, for even for a little while, I, I didn't realize how much my daughter understood already until I would say something. And it seemed to me that she would understand. So I'm just sort of paying attention and learning from her, like what she, she understands and what she doesn't understand at this point. Um, and so, I, yeah, I'm just curious for you to talk about a little bit about the Montessori method, what attracted you to it. And then also because you, did you homeschool all of your children? Yeah, they've always all been homeschooled. And you're still homeschooling, I'm assuming, yeah. because you have younger yeah. children too. Um, if you can just, I don't know how, like even the right questions to ask you about that, but anything that you would like to share about homeschooling, I'm just very new to the idea, but I know that a lot of people are kind of having to navigate that in, in real life, in the the face of Corona. Yeah. I mean, and hopefully that won't be a thing anymore by the time my daughter's, um, closer to school age, but I'm just kind of getting curious about like how to apply it to younger children and then how to, um, I don't know, I guess to me, it's, it's what I've seen a lot of people, a lot of homeschool mothers usually it's mothers I don't mean to make that assumption but um they'll say sort of like I'm not a like a public school teacher teaching at home like maybe you can talk about like how they're different um 
yeah, anywhere you want to go with that. Is, so many. Um, I love it. Um, so yeah, my oldest is 18 and we've always homeschooled. And I will say again, like with the elimination communication, I have a very relaxed homeschooling style. And actually my husband is the full, so you were saying moms, my husband is the full-time homeschool teacher now um, for the three younger kids. Um, and I do my online business, which is amazing. And he just started, so he just finished his first full year and he does everything like I don't do any of it anymore. Um, but we've always, it was very relaxed early on. Um, I just feel like, you know, having exposure to people of different ages. And one thing, you know, I will say as the kids have gotten older, they get so many compliments on how they can interact with people of all ages, how they look adults in the eye when they talk to them, like, and like talk about socialization, like they've literally never go anywhere except hang out with me at home. So, <laughs> but they get compliments. Like if we're working with a realtor and we're going around, they're like, are your kids homeschooled? They're like, so mature. And I'm like, yeah, they actually are. Um, so they, you know, I would say I've treated them as peers from the beginning and I've always talked to them. My daughter's like, I can't remember you ever not talking to me. Like we were just the same age. Um, so I've always talked to them like that. And I think that's helped a lot in, you know, their maturity and their self-confidence and all of that. And starting out the first, the beginning, I, all of my kids, I would say until they were probably like seven or eight, there was not a lot of formal education at all. Um, most of them were like sort of struggling to read, I would say at that point. Um, and not because they're not intelligent, but I just felt like I had just read so many things about how you can actually like wire your brain in a weird way by learning to read too young. You get in too much of an analytical place and you lose kind of that creativity part of your brain. It, it matures too quickly. There's like a study in France where they don't, they don't teach reading until age six or seven and how they actually excel so much faster later in life. Um, so I actually was like, I'm like, Ooh, that's great. That's good news for me. So I, I mean, I worked with them every day and they knew their letters and stuff, but we didn't have formal school really at all until like second or third grade. Um, and even then I would say like by age 10, I was like, okay, we better get serious um, because we don't have that many years left. And all of them, like my daughter started college when she was 16 and she started high, she started elementary school and she was 10. So she had six years of like formal education and she went to college, got an A in chemistry had never taken chemistry before. College level chemistry, got an A. College level biology, got a B plus. Like never had any formal science at all. So, you know, I really think that giving them that space and that creativity to me was so much more important than, I mean, my family was worried. Like my eight-year-old is barely reading. They're like, oh my gosh. And I'm, and I thought, oh, it'll be fine. In three years, she'll be three years ahead of everybody her age. And she was. Um, and so I really kept things really relaxed. And it's interesting because my husband is very structured and organized with his homeschooling. But even he said after this first full year of working with all the kids, he was like, you know what? I just believe in unschooling so much. <laughs> He's like, I just feel like we've spent so much time talking about things that they're never going to remember. And so we just, we take a very much of like a holistic um, you know, like read Jane Goodall instead of taking a biology class. Mm -hmm. Like to me, you're gonna you're gonna be so inspired. And if you want to pursue biology, you can learn it in six weeks instead of six years because you're so excited about it. And so that's the approach that we've taken is exposing them to things, but in a really inspiring and exciting way. Like finding a role model in a certain area, you know, that they can 
really just be inspired by. And if they want to pursue that thing, fine. I mean, we have science textbooks available that some of my kids will read. So we just allow them each to kind of explore. We cover all the basis. I was always like, okay, they need to be like up to level in math. That was always really important to me. Like, I want them to be able to go to college if they want to, and I want them to be ready to do that. So math and language, you know, any sort of spelling and, you know, reading skills up to par and then communication skills were so important to me, like being able to speak and communicate with people and, you know, not be intimidated by people and things like that. So that was, those are really the three things that I was like, we're going to be on point with those things and everything else is going to be very creative and, you know, we'll expose them to art and we'll expose them to all of these things and then they can choose what they want to do with it, but not to spend hours and hours and hours. I would spend at most two hours a day, even in high school. I mean, they were done before lunch every day. How would you, how did you find, I, I mean, I don't want to use the word curriculum, but I don't know, like, did you follow a curriculum or are there like, where did you get ideas of like activities to do? Or like, if you did little field trips, did you just kind of like do whatever they were a- attracted to or showing interest in, or was yeah. there any kind of format? I, um, I really sort of pieced my own thing together. Um, like I chose a math program that felt like had a more holistic, like it taught like algebra in elementary school in a really, in a way that just made so much sense. That is not the way I learned it in high school. And so just things that were like really took things to the next level, but in a really holistic way. So like Miquin math is really excellent. Um, it's just very like conceptual thinking. Um, so things like that, and I just would look, you know, just research and research, like, what are the math things that are available? I didn't want like textbook, workbook. I mean, some of that to make sure they're up to level, but I don't want to spend, they're not going to spend four hours a day or even four hours a week on it. Um, so that was important to me. I like Charlotte Mason. If you, mm-hmm. um, I, Montessori, Waldorf, Charlotte Mason, they all have a very holistic approach. So anything that would be recommended by one of those teachers will probably work really well if you're, you know, if that's aligned with your, um, with your philosophy. I like the Charlotte Mason because it's very literature based. Like that's kind of the approach we finally took with science because we just felt like we were spending so much time talking about elements and stuff, which is important. And, you know, how do you apply it to real life, but to spend an entire semester where you could like my oldest daughter sews. And so she, she, or my second oldest, my 16 year old, and she like makes her own clothes and makes clothes for her dog and makes costumes for people. Like that's what she does whenever she's not doing school or other things. And so, you know, I wanted them to have so much time to explore the thing that they love. And so, you know, what are the most important pieces? And then how, what are we gonna use for each one that aligns with our philosophy? And then I kind of just let everything else go. I was like, okay, we're gonna, you know, during break, we're gonna do a drawing class. We're gonna do a music class. Like, but we would, wouldn't do like eight classes a day. You know, yeah. we would definitely be a different, like we would have four main subjects during the week, during regular school. And then we'd have break, we do, we do three months on one month off and the one month off we call break school. So there's really no break, mm-hmm. but it's different. Like we might take, we might do drawing that whole month and it would just be like for half an hour a day or an hour a day. Um, and then, so we would use break school to kind of really dive into, you know, different theme things that weren't like basic subjects, um, to kind of give them a, a chance to see everything. And, you know, what, what do I love to do? 
um, and let them explore that in their own time. So yeah, that was no curriculum really. I just would read um, Rainbow Resources. Great if you want to get into homeschooling. There's so many great reviews, and it's owned by a veteran homeschool family with kids and grandchildren who are homeschooled, and they all write reviews like really clear. So if you want something specific, they can tell you like exactly what to expect. Um, so that's what I would read. <laughs> so like, okay, yeah. do I want? That thank you. That I that's a really good starting point. I I selfishly wanted to to know that myself, it. but I'll also link it in case anybody else that's listening is is interested. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my god. So, and yeah, at this point, if you have anything else that you wanted to share that I haven't asked you about, um, otherwise you can also share about where people can find you, your website, um, your Instagram, any other social media platforms where you're most active. I love it. Yeah. I mean, just my, my thoughts, you know, to part would be just to not, you know, to keep everything. There's like a flow to things and timing to things. And I think that's like the biggest fault in the world is like trying to do things when it's not the right time. And to me, that's, okay, you know, we get it out of our logical brain and be like, okay, you know, this is the bigger picture of what I'm trying to do. And just kind of letting things be because things do usually work out fine, you know, having a basic vision for what you're trying to create and kind of letting the flow go within there. Um, and I would say, you know, from the everything from reproduction all the way through raising your child, like the whole process, there's just so many opportunities where we can worry about are we on track and is it the right thing is my body doing the right thing and you know just looking knowing what the red flags are and then just allowing everything else to be and knowing that it's you know here to teach a lesson or you know there's some there's some good to come out of all of the things and then um I do online business stuff and really for I love to support people in the more spiritual space and the healing space. And my website is tasteofsimple.com. And that's evolved from a natural living blog back in uh, 2015 into more of a business support. But I do still have all of my blog posts about making kombucha. And I have lots of posts about my kids and things like that. So um, that is where people can connect with me. If they have any questions, I'm happy to answer any questions. So if anybody wants to reach out to me, that is fine. And then on all social media, it's at Taste of Simple. So Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest. I actually love Pinterest. Yeah, I was listening to um, a podcast about your using Pinterest for business. So um, I love it. So yeah, that's really cool. I'll, I'll have to check out all your your stuff too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me, Holly. It's been super fun to chat. Likewise, yes. Thank you so much for for being here today. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you feel so called, please give us a rating and a review so other people can find the podcast more easily. Thanks again. Till next time.